0: Welcome to Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, May 15th, hosted by Anastasia Uglova. During fiscal year 2006, the federal government spent $92 billion on corporate welfare to cushion America's largest companies at the taxpayer's expense. A new Cato study titled The Corporate Welfare State, How the Federal Government Subsidizes U.S. Businesses, details the scope and consequences of this corporate welfare state. The study's author Steven Slavinsky, who serves as Director of Budget Studies at Cato, is the guest on today's podcast. In your study, you refer to government handouts to corporations as corporate welfare. Why do you use that terminology?
1: The phrase corporate welfare, in some respects, seems to imply that there's an annual payment of money to certain corporations. That's certainly true for some of the programs, in particular agricultural crop subsidies. Those are payments that go to very wealthy farmers, mostly agribusinesses, on an annual basis. Other programs, however, that subsidize research and development for certain corporations, those might be a multiple-year grant that they get paid out in one year and then the company uses it over the course of the next four to five years. And so corporate welfare as a broad category includes all these sorts of programs. But the main point, of course, is that all of these programs subsidize or provide a unique benefit to a corporation or an industry, something that really shouldn't be a function of the federal government in the first place.
0: And how large a chunk of taxpayer revenue goes to subsidies of this kind?
1: In fiscal 2006, the corporate welfare budget equaled $92 billion in federal taxpayer money. Now, that's in a universe of about $3 trillion in overall government expenditures. So it does seem like a smaller portion of a much larger pie. The point, of course, is that these are net expenditures from the federal budget. There's portions of what I would consider corporate welfare programs that aren't resulting in net expenditures of federal money. Think of trade barriers, for instance. It provides a protection against foreign competition. This is not typically an expenditure in the budget. There's a portion of the federal budget that goes to enforcing trade barriers, and that net expenditure of money actually is included in the $92 billion figure. But the actual cost to consumers as a whole... Numbers in the $3 billion range, and that's according to even Department of Commerce numbers. So even though $92 billion is what the federal government spends every year on corporate welfare programs, the ripple effect is much larger.
0: Has that figure increased from corporate handouts in previous fiscal years?
1: Since 2001, the overall increase of all of these programs combined have been about 11%. Now, that's actually just under the rate of inflation, but that's a bit misleading. It seems to suggest that the corporate welfare budget hasn't really gotten that much bigger. In specific areas, it has. In fact, the distribution of where this money goes has shifted somewhat. As you can probably guess, Department of Defense corporate welfare spending has gone up quite dramatically. It's one of the few areas where you saw such a rapid increase. But you also saw rapid increases in two other areas. The first is agriculture. You saw massive increases in a variety of what I call farm welfare programs in the federal budget. Primary among them, the market access program in the Department of Agriculture is a program that spends money to advertise name brand products overseas. We're talking about uh, agricultural products like raisins, for instance, wine, things of this sort. Money is spent to advertise overseas, clearly a function that should be financed by private sector and businesses themselves. The other element of the federal budget that has gone in larger and larger amounts to corporate welfare spending is the transportation budget, which is actually a bit interesting to think about. Of course, you hear about a lot of these pork earmarks and things of that sort, which is part of the problem. Some programs that are not considered earmarks within the Department of Transportation budget, however, those that are in the budget annually include things like grants to airports, railroad research and development, and even subsidies to maritime companies that ship goods overseas. All of these functions have received more money, far in excess, of what most other programs have gotten. And so corporate welfare as a whole might have stayed relatively constant over the past six years. That, of course, makes me wonder why they're still in the budget in the first place, especially with Republicans in Congress over the past six years who at one time had these programs on the chopping block. They still exist, and most of them have been thriving.
0: Why should any of this be concerning to taxpayers, presumably with support businesses through corporate welfare to correct market failures? Is this wrong?
1: Many of the supporters of corporate welfare programs do claim that they're in existence for the purpose of remedying some sort of market failure. The problem is what sort of market failure were they there to remedy in the first place? Much of the time, the market failure they're claiming exists are either completely overblown or doesn't exist at all. If you look at the programs within the Department of Commerce, specifically those geared toward research and development, The supporters of those programs, specifically the advanced technology program within the Department of Commerce, typically claim that the money that's going into that program is funding what are considered pre-competitive technologies. These are cutting-edge investments that may not have occurred in their eyes without the government coming in and doing so. In fact, in some ways, it's second-guessing the venture capital markets. The presumption is that government is better at picking winners than the venture capital markets are. But of course, if you look at the track record of these programs, specifically advanced technology Program, you discover that the government's not very good at picking winners. First of all, the market failure doesn't really exist in many respects, because most of the technologies that ATP funds have actually already been substantially financed by the private sector, in some cases for 50 years before the ATP even spends a single dollar on any of these investments. And secondly, if you look at the Government Accountability Office audits of these programs, you start to discover that the applicants for these ATP grants have typically not looked for private sector funding before they came to the government with their handout. In fact, over 60% of ATP applicants never looked for private funding for their specific research and development. So it makes you wonder, first of all, whether the lure of free taxpayer money, in a sense, doesn't skew the incentives of these researchers. And it also makes you wonder whether you can really say that these programs, or I should say these technologies, would not be funded in the absence of government financing of them. I, I don't think they would be
0: is efficient oversight possible? Is there a viable way to look into terminating some of these programs?
1: Corporate welfare is one of those issues that should have broad bipartisan consensus and appeal. And I think there's a possibility of having that sort of consensus. Considering the fact that most corporate welfare programs reside in different parts of the budget, it's very hard to tackle them on a program-by-program basis during the annual appropriations process. Because every appropriations bill typically is geared toward financing a specific agency, the Department of Commerce, the Department of Agriculture, Department of Transportation. So when you have all of these programs existing in different bills, it's very hard to get a consensus or a constituency together to go after any specific one because any savings you might get from cutting one of them will be reallocated to something else, later on down the line. So it's very hard to get a political coalition together to go after programs one by one. This is the similar type of situation we had in the early 90s, right after the Cold War had ended. And we had a lot of unnecessary capacity in terms of military bases. There was a general consensus that we needed to do something to close down the military bases that we didn't need. And yet no specific congressman was able or interested in going after a particular base, because there might be a reprisal from another congressman to go after a base in their district. And so the answer was to actually create a base realignment and closure commission, the BRAC. And we've heard a lot about this, because it's been one of the few successful attempts to go after such a wide ranging Set of programs and in this case military bases that many people realized we needed to get rid of, but you couldn't get a political consensus to actually go after them. I think the same thing can be done on corporate welfare. An idea would be to put together a corporate welfare commission that functions very much like the base closure commission, where you've got non-elected officials, non-incumbents, in a sense, making a list that Congress would be required to vote in an up or down fashion without amending it before it goes to the floor of the House or the Senate, and have a, a time frame by which they have to say yay or nay on this bill there's actually some precedents here. Senators John McCain and John Kerry actually put forward a similar sort of plan back in 2002. And so did representatives Barney Frank and Charlie Rangel in the House. And in fact, now that you've got Democrats in control of the House and the Senate, Charlie Rangel and Barney Frank in particular, are going to be much heavier hitters on these sorts of issues. And so I think there's at least an inkling of some bipartisan agreement on these things What we've seen over the past five years. Now, I think perhaps you might actually see more of that now that there's more of an interest in trying to find budget savings, but also to find those bits of low-hanging fruit that both Republicans and Democrats can agree to get rid of.
0: Thank you, Stephen. And thank you for listening to Cato Daily Podcast. The Cato Institute is a non-profit organization that accepts no government funding. If you'd like to find out more about Cato or would like to make a contribution, please visit our website, www.cato.org.